Gary and I come from a really um, literary rich background. We've always grown up with a love of language and speaking from personal experience, we um, we both have parents who came from the former Soviet Union and when they immigrated to America, they didn't have guidance um, on how to speak English. They didn't have um, support. And I found that in my own experience when I was volunteering at elementary schools, that a lot of kids, especially like from low income backgrounds or um, traditionally underserved backgrounds, maybe they're in a different geographic location. Um, even if it's just on the other side of the island. So I'm, I'm, I mean, like Staten Island, not like a real island, but, but there's a lot of economic disparity. And I find that the more economic disparity, the more disparity there is in literacy learning. And that just really, um, that really drove me to collaborate with Gary and make something that would address this because I thought it was unfair that someone's financial status or where they lived could determine whether they were allowed to develop a love of language. Hey everybody, welcome back to this week's episode of the 501 Hustle. I am your host Vivek and we are here today with Gary and Liz, founders of Bridge to Literacy. Elizabeth is a rising junior from New York City, passionate about the intersection of justice, creative writing, and business. My name is Liz. I'm a junior um, from Staten Island Tech in New York City. And I am i would call myself like a word nerd. I'm a logophile. I really like the English language. And I especially enjoy creative writing, especially playwriting and poetry and spoken word. A fierce advocate for gender equity in education, Elizabeth has spoken at the UN on the International Women and Girls in Science Day in 2020 and currently serves as Girls in Science for SDGs advocate to spread STEM education and achieve the UN Sustainable Development Goals. She's also performed at the Apollo as a finalist in Climate Speaks, a spoken word youth arts program about the climate crisis. First and foremost, Elizabeth strives to use her own experience and entrepreneurial mindset to better the lives of others really love doing anything creative, anything entrepreneurial. In this case, by fostering a love of language in kids from undeserved communities to give them access to greater opportunities. Another fun quirk of um, literacy and just like language in general is spelling. And it's so, um, it's such like a niche area, but it's also brought me so much joy and opportunity, especially from the National Spelling Bee. And personally, like um, I couldn't afford like any of those like $200 an hour spelling tutors and I thought it was like um, really interesting how even at like a national level or in this competition there was still disparity and not just within the competition but some kids couldn't even get access to spelling bees because their schools couldn't afford it and that's when um, Gary and I sort of came together and like um, hmm, what if we teach kids what if we give kids around the world access to literacy so they can develop that love of language, even if they don't have the resources to right now. And now, meet Gary. Hi, my name is Gary. I come from a really similar background as Liz. We're next door neighbors, so we got a lot of experiences together. Gary is a rising junior from New York City as well. I'm also a junior at Sound Tech, Go Seagulls who's passionate about debating, reading, and science. I've been like, just like Liz, I've been reading, basically, before I could talk. Um, I was, uh, I was, I've 
annoyed my parents with how much I read. I've annoyed Liz with how much I read. I've annoyed everyone with how much I read. Um, so I've always had like a big um, connection with the English language. I've always really liked learning about people, learning new things about the world around me, things like that. Gary's also won several awards in the fields of debate and scientific research. Uh, so just like speaking with people. Uh, so like in middle school and high school, I did a lot of debate team. Uh, you know, talking talking with people, formulating arguments, trying to like make sense of what's at, what's happening in the world. And has gone on to study in several institutions such as NYU and Cambridge University. I do a lot of research on my off time. I'm doing a research with a Harvard professor now, um, a neuroscience project. So like I'm, I'm just learning about like life, what we what we're here for, what we what's making us tick, things like that. It always interests me. He co-founded Bridge to Literacy after hearing about the lack of education his parents saw when they lived in the former Soviet Union. We, we've already established at this point, Liz and I really like books, reading. There's a reason we like that, right? Our parents, uh, when we were younger, like put us through the ringer. They needed to make sure that we were literate, that we were educated, um, because they kept telling, telling us like horror stories, right? Uh, like, you know how like the, our, our parents would be like, back in my day, things like that. Um, in their case, it was like, Back in my day, we were first-generation immigrants uh, coming to the coming to the United States. We had no one to teach us English, um, so like my dad would always tell me, like uh, um, the, he had high school teachers, like high school teachers had to take him on, take him, take him under their wing to kind of like teach them the language. Um, so Liz and I heard these stories about like people are struggling with like making connections in the new areas, making connections with people across the world. Um, so we wanted to kind of bring that and uh, bring that to people who maybe otherwise wouldn't have that opportunity. Through Bridge to Literacy, he is determined to help disadvantaged students connect with others around the world and make the world a better place. Bridge to Literacy, um, at this point, uh, international student-led nonprofit where um, our main goal is to kind of like spread this level of literacy to people who might, who otherwise wouldn't have gotten the opportunity. How are you all doing today? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me on. Uh, it's a really cool opportunity. Yeah, same here. I'm doing pretty good. I'm excited. I'm excited to do the podcast. Awesome. Well, we are super excited to have you guys. So it's interesting. Both of you said you love reading. Do you, are you guys you know, certain books? Like you guys nonfiction readers? Are you fiction readers? Is there a certain purpose you read? Um, or is it kind of all over the place? I guess I'll start with this one. Um, I don't know. Books for me, I, I kind of just like the idea of learning something new about something. Um, I'm a big fiction fan. Uh, my favorite books, actually, fantasy, um, fantasy series. Um, yeah, I've also gotten really into like over like the uh, quarantine and since I was like a small kid at this point, uh, like mythology and stuff. I, that's always been my passion. Um, learning about like the old stories, like thousand year old stories, and sharing them with people. That's awesome. Liz? Same here. So I've always really loved fiction and um, especially like YA fiction, YA fantasy, YA realistic fiction. Um, I also really enjoy humor, um, books with a sort of humoristic tone. And I've recently gotten into, um, there's this book called, um, oh shoot, it's slipping my mind. But oh yeah, there's this, like They Both Die at the End by Adam Silvera, which is like a YA book slash like fantasy book. And I've also like really gotten into nonfiction over quarantine, like Malcolm Gladwell books. Like those are um, really fascinating to read. And I just like love learning about the world. 
And yeah, I just, um, sometimes I also like read poetry since I do a lot of spoken word. Like I'm um, uh, ambassador for the NYC Youth Poet Laureate program. And um, since I did that program, like I've been like started reading like a lot more poetry. Awesome. So tell me a little bit now about um, Bridge to Literacy, but kind of how, what you guys do today, how the organization runs. Um, and again, it's not just around the country, it's all over the world. So a little dive into how you've accomplished that and where around the world you're a part of. I guess I can start with this. So Bridge to Literacy um, at this point, uh, international student-led nonprofit where um, our main goal is to kind of like spread this level of literacy to people who might, who otherwise wouldn't have had the opportunity. Um, so when we were starting out, we um, were trying to find underserved communities who were lacking these like literacy rates, these um, like low, like this literacy education. Um, so like, for example, one of the first places we uh, uh, chose to focus on was uh, the country of Ukraine. So uh, like my mom, for example, comes from Ukraine. Um, she was telling me uh, how like they have barely any literacy education there. Mm -hmm. um, so we got in touch with an orphanage in Ukraine. Um, and basically what we do, like the main like, crux of our um, program is like weekly, uh, like one-on-one -on -one sessions. So we'd ask one of our volunteers here um, to do like a quick, to do an hour class, like on the weekend or whenever they have time with a student from that orphanage in Ukraine um, over things like Skype, WhatsApp, Viber, whatever. We've, we've done every contacting program under the sun uh, because whatever just works. Um, so they just... Um, the student in Ukraine gets to talk with a student here, gets to kind of like meet like a new friend, maybe um, learn a little something about English, about our about culture here. And the student here gets to learn about culture outside of the U.S., um, maybe some maybe some of the other language even. Like I know I've learned a lot of Russian from doing classes with Ukraine. Um, and it's just like a really good way to build bonds to and to learn a little something on the way. So when you say students here, you mean all over the U.S., it's not just in your school district or your school, correct? Yeah. Cool. How many people do you have that are helping you tutor from the U.S.? So we currently have um, six departments in our organization. So there's um, teachers, there's marketing slash media team, which helps us run our Instagram, um, upcoming TikTok, and <laughs> basically um, any like form of marketing or media. We have video editors. Um, written content creators who make our lesson plans and scripts since we also do pre-recorded lessons for places with like not a stable Wi-Fi and we also have ambassadors who go in their community and basically like talk to their friends and um, teachers about virtual literacy and basically like um, making sure as many people know about the work we're doing as possible and we currently have um, about 70 volunteers like 60 wow. volunteers from around the world and we have kids from New York, Illinois, California, and we also have a few kids from outside the U.S. So we have um, kids from Lebanon, um, Nepal, Canada, Egypt. And yeah, we also try to focus as much on um, international community for the volunteers um, like we do for the kids. So you have 70 plus volunteers in the U.S. and a couple in other countries, and you reach out to different orphanages or schools from around the world. Um, and you help them with tutoring one-on-one, -on -one, you give them lessons plans. So what are, how, what does the typical session look like? What's in a lesson plan? How does that work? Like, I'll just, I'll base this off my own experience, I guess. Um, one of a uh, typical lesson plan basically goes, so we start with like introductions, you know, hello, how are you? Things like that. 
um, will then delve into like a vocabulary section. Um, so the topic of the day is either um, most of the times it's actually picked by the student because uh, we want to like we want to like personalize our lessons as much as possible. So we ask um, we ask the kid that we're teaching, uh, "What are you interested in?" So for example, one of the one of my students was a girl in Ukraine named Masha. Um, she was uh, she's twenty three years old at this point, but she has um, she has Parkinson's. Um, so she has like a hard time. Um, she has a hard time, you know, like communicating and physical movement. Um, so we asked, so, uh, and she's really into like music. She really likes singing. Uh, she really likes music, things like that. So we did, uh, her and I did a lesson on music. Um, we learned, uh, like different types of instruments, um, uh, like to sing in, uh, English, to dance in rush, uh, to dance in English. Uh, we also watched some, we also listened to some music. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we listened to her favorite, um, singers. And we were kind of, and I kind of asked her, you know, like, what do you think of this music? Um, would you consider it beautiful? Things like that. So it's kind of basic. It's kind of um, expanding on her vocabulary based on what she likes. And then, um, and then we'd ask, and then for like her homework, for example, we'd ask her, so listen to, listen to this music piece. See, uh, tell me, tell me what you think about it. And that's pretty much the general gist. Wow, that is pretty cool. Are you? Is it a new tutor with? the same student every time or are you sticking with the same person giving the same lesson? We try to like, so we really like want to make sure there's, um, we really want to like break down the hierarchy of teacher and student. So since like the kids are so close in age, we try to keep them with the same tutor just so like they have that connection. They have that familiarity. But sometimes what we'll do is like, if we have, um, if we have two students, for example, like if we have twins, um, we have twins from Honduras, we'll have, um, two students also just so like this te- um the students don't feel like overwhelmed with just like one teenager or like um the volunteers don't feel overwhelmed with like a lot more kids that's pretty cool so you have that continuity between kid and tutor which i would assume is pretty important when you're you know trying to break certain language or cultural barriers and, and teach different ideas but speaking of cultural and language barriers so you know you mentioned earlier that it's a great opportunity for people in america to learn about another country's culture and it's a great opportunity for people in other countries to kind of learn the English language. What countries are you in? Uh, and have you had like, you know, this language barrier in the beginning before they've really learned much English and, and you're kind of going into their territory has learning their language or, you know, communicating certain ideas to people who live in a completely different area. Has that, has that been a challenge? Yeah. So currently we operate in Kenya, Honduras, Ukraine, uh, Mexico, Gaza, and um, China. We've just oh wow, that's a lot of countries. <laughs> yeah, and we we really focus on like um, comprehension. So if we don't understand something, like it usually like by the tone of voice or like um, by like facial expressions, like we'll understand what the student is talking about. But sometimes like um, we really try to like educate ourselves beforehand. So if we don't understand something, we'll like um, we'll like um, consult someone, like one of our friends who does know the language, especially if there are two students teaching at a time. And um, sometimes like we'll even use Google Translate just to make sure like we're saying like the correct um, words. And we really try to like um, work with the student as much as possible. But we would say that like um, language is like definitely not a barrier. That's awesome. Uh, Have you any like, I don't know, cool things you've learned from different cultures from around the world or any 
cool practices or sayings or anything that you could share? Um, so I have a student named Avrom um, from Ukraine. And since it's also like a Jewish orphanage, um, he, t- he teaches me like Hebrew sometimes. So like he'll teach me Hebrew phrases or like Russian phrases. Um, and then we kind of go like back and forth. Like I'll teach him, I'll say something in English. Um, and then he'll, um, and then he'll say something in Russian. That's cool. Um, so just for everyone listening, so we're on zoom doing this interview first time on zoom and I think Gary disappeared. So <laughs> do you know where he went, Liz? Yeah. Uh, he said his internet shut off. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Well, well, we can. Should we continue? We can continue. Uh, I texted him. I'll let you know what he says. All right. Cool. We'll we'll ask a couple more questions. <laughs> we'll see if he can hop back on. That's funny. You said this student in Ukrainian orphanage. So, are you are you guys in in middle schools and high schools, or just orphanages, or both, or how does that work? Like in school districts. Um, we sort of try to, we focus mainly on like nonprofit organizations or orphanages, basically any, any organization that serves underserved, serves underserved, well, that's a lot of, yeah. a lot of the same level. but yeah, we mostly focus on like, um, organizations that serve disadvantaged kids. So like orphanages are just an example of them. And for example, like, um, reach out Honduras, which is the nonprofit that we work with in Honduras. They work with over 500 middle school and high school kids. And we currently teach, um, middle school kids and we work with some high school kids, but we would say it's mostly like middle elementary school. We really just try to focus on like, um, K through 12 students in general. That's awesome. So how do you, how did you get connect? I mean, you guys are, you know, juniors in high school, um, 16, right? Am I wrong? 16? Yeah. Yeah. So you guys are 16 years old and you're connected with school districts and, and NGOs and, and orphanages from all over the world. How did you do that? Yeah, so it's really a combination of both of us. So we created like an email template since we really wanted to like reach out to as many organizations as possible to make sure we serve as many kids as possible. So before we used to do um, just Ukraine and then we wanted to expand to different countries. Oh, Gary's back. Yeah, Gary's back. Got him. <laughs> Yeah, so um, I'd be happy to like, um, you can elaborate on this question, but we basically started um, DMing organizations through Instagram or writing email templates and um, really also just like sometimes um, reaching out to students who represent that organization. Like, for example, um, for the nonprofit in China, we reached out to the student co-founder and it's been like a mix of working with like adults and students. Cool. What's up, Gary? Nice to have you back. (laughs) <laughs> uh died on me all good all good so i was just asking her how i mean it's just frankly very impressive that y'all are 16 years old and you're connected to this many people from around the world so Thank i was kind you. of asking you know how how did she do that um and she mentioned reaching out via internet or instagram and just kind of leveraging networks and relationships with other people that you knew um so if you want to expand on that but i guess my follow-up question to that is when you reach out especially in the beginning, how did you come across as reputable enough to say, hey, you know, we want to take the reins and, and teach your kids? Like, why would they listen to two 16-year-olds? Yeah, kind of like our main selling point uh, when we were first starting out um, was kind of like our personal accomplishments. Uh, so like we were talking about earlier, our experiences with like the debate team, with the spelling bee, 
um, poetry, things like that. Um, so we were, um, and also one of the main things that we were stressing was kind of the student on student uh, conversation. Um, right. So like the, like one of what I think the most important, um, things about virtual literacy is how we're able to kind of like lead this, um, like learning program for both students here and students abroad. Um, so, um, like our volunteers here are typically, uh, are typically high schoolers. Um, they're getting an idea, they're getting a sense of what it's like to be from a different country, um, to be, uh, to not, maybe not know English as well as you do, to not know a different language as much as you do. Um, and conversely, the students over there are getting to learn what it's like to be a student here, uh, what it's like to be able to like communicate uh, across the world, things like that. So like that kind of connection of like a teenager talking to a teenager, as opposed to uh, a teacher with like a master's degree in literature. Um, teaching English, um, we feel like it's a lot more personal this way. It's a lot more like friendly this way, and we're able to learn a lot more together. So basically, you flipped it. Like your age is no, it's not a weakness. It, it's a strength, right? Because you get to relate to them better. I love that. So you have she lists out the countries. So you have a bunch of countries all over, and you're, and you're connected with them. How long has this been going on? How long have you all been connected to to groups from all over the place? So it really kind of varies. We've been with Ukraine the longest. Um, we started, so we co-founded Virtual Literacy in June of 2019. And then in August of 2019, we started working with Ukraine. And then actually this past year, um, we've grown, we've been able to expand a lot. So in the summer, we started working with Kenya and Honduras and, and Gaza. And this then- summer of- 2020. This is in the midst of coronavirus, right? Yeah, the coronavirus summer. Um, And then in the fall, we started working with Mexico and China. Yeah, and we also expanded. I don't know if you mentioned that we also expanded recently to um, Israel. So we're and uh, so we're working with them as well. So how did you? Most people would probably say their businesses did not expand during COVID. I mean, some did for sure, but you know, young people starting their own company and trying to figure out how to grow and expand. Um, at first glimpse, it seems like COVID would have been a massive obstacle to expanding, but it sounds like that's when a lot of your expansion took place. How did you, how'd you accomplish that? Uh, yeah. So, um, kind of, it, it, I, I don't want, I don't want to say that it was kind of like, um, like our business model kind of worked really well uh-huh. with, um, like school shutting down, things like that. Um, because a lot of our lessons were originally going to be digital regardless yeah. because I, like I can't be in a physical classroom with uh, Masha from Ukraine, yeah. uh, a classroom with a kid from Honduras. So um, we were still able to have these lessons. And also with all of these uh, schools shutting down, it didn't just happen here, right? It happened internationally. So there were kids all over the world who were also losing um, their education. They were also losing their access to the um, resources that we provided. Um, so it was kind of, it was kind of like we were able to fill that niche that a lot of uh, schools were missing out on at the, at the time. Yeah, definitely. And like adding on to what Gary said, like each time we introduce ourselves to an organization, we sort of point out how um, 617 million kids like lost access to education, not education, but like are out of school basically. Mm-hmm. And we really feel that our model, which is um, very interactive one-on-one based. So um, we'll have a lesson about like Harry Potter as opposed to just reading grammar rules from a textbook. Yeah. And we find that really engages the kid. And in the end, it's more effective than traditional schooling. And also in terms of like our, 
our business growing, our nonprofit um, organization. I think also um, outreach definitely helped us a lot. Like I remember taking, um, reaching out to a senior on LinkedIn named Stephanie Sue. Shout out to her. Mm-hmm. Um, she was basically like um, answering questions um, to kids, not to kids, to high school students who were starting nonprofits, and she gave she gave us a lot of good pointers about like expanding our organization through Instagram and really like honing in on the mission statement and being very specific about like our values. So we kind of revamped our Instagram and we're currently at um, over 900 followers. And we also think that, um, yeah, basically like by becoming more visible on Instagram, that sort of boosted our credibility. And then we were also able to reach like these different organizations and um, of course, like the different volunteers. That's awesome. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about your, you know, you kind of gave us a good segue into Instagram and marketing and, and verifying your organization. How, um, what is, what is your strategy with Instagram? You know, other people got a lot of organizations they're trying to create and, and everyone knows that social media, Instagram publicity and marketing is very important. Um, how'd you go about that? How did you grow to 900 plus followers? That's pretty impressive. I mean, that's like double me by the way. So, so I viewed it as very impressive. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so kind of like our strategy in the beginning was kind of um, like kind of like a shotgun approach almost. I don't know if that's the correct like business terminology, but um, we we were looking at like whatever nonprofits were like even vaguely uh, um, connected to our cause, and we were asking them, hey, you know, can you like give us a shout out for a shout out things like that? So like really small things, um, where we were asking like all these nonprofits who were like way bigger than us, like hey, can you maybe like help us out a little with like a shout out on your story or something like that. Um, and uh, some of them responded, um, which then led to us, you know, expanding. Um, we also like uh, we couldn't have done this uh, without uh, people like our parents, who were also like spreading the word through like PTA organizations, things like that. Um, our friends who were able to spread the word um, for us to people they knew. Um, so you you just need to find like a dozen organizations who are like, hey, we'll do like a quick story thing for you, and then it uh, just grows exponentially from there. Yeah. And speaking of like teamwork and like other people, our volunteers are also really helpful because we have a marketing team and they're really good at like what they do. They're really good at like making the post and making, um, making like an engaging story. And one thing we also found, um, which is like really simple, but any organization can do it is really like making sure you have an aesthetic, like a brand that people it with you with. And, um, we were thinking of like, you know, what's a, what color um, is like linked with education. So we decided on like a blue and gold format and we have a bridge as our logo. So we, um, we made our um, logo a bit sharper and then we really just, um, we also have um, web development interns and they really like revamped the website. So now like um, people know that we raised over $2,000 for, um, for educational resources. They know that we have, um, over 60, over like about 70 volunteers, like really just like keeping people updated about like new developments and like things we're doing to help is a really big part of like how we're, how we were able to grow so quickly. So as an entrepreneur myself and someone that's tried to like build companies or work with groups of people like you guys are doing, it's obviously very important. Um, especially if you want to be the leader of the organization to get everyone bought in and, and 
bring out that their own intrinsic passion to to accomplish things, and and that's how you get you know people t- uh, taking their own initiative with creating awesome stories and on your Instagram and stuff like that. So, how have you guys navigated like getting other people excited about the mission and really conveying like it, in the beginning it was your vision, right? That you you're able to now convey to a lot of other people your age that are then going to help you and formulate all these teams and become volunteers. Is there like anything that you've learned on how to do that? Or is there anything, any advice you'd give to people who, who want to get others bought into their mission? Yeah. So I'd say like one of the major things that kind of benefited us um, was kind of like the relatability of it all. So like, especially now with COVID um, we're like everyone our age is going through the same experience of like losing educational resources, being stuck at home, not being able to like, I don't want to go out with friends, things like that. Um, and it's been really tough. Um, I, I know for uh, Liz and I, it's been really tough. And for um, every, everyone we've talked to, it's been really tough not having that like routine of going to school, of learning. Uh, so we kind of were like, in order to like get people on board, we were like, so imagine this, but every day, um, for every day for millions of kids in underserved communities. Um, and it really like strikes, it really strikes a chord. It's like a really emotional thing to oh. learn that going through what everyone is going through right now, like every day. Uh, because they just don't have the resources. Um, and it's also like, we also try to keep it as simple as possible, right? So it would just be, you know, you, it's, it's um, like we've equated it to like an hour long Skype call. Um, not even an hour long so in, in some cases. It's really like we've tried to make it, like it won't take up much of your time and you're also just making a really big change in the world. So you're making a really big impact as we're kind of wanting to strike that chord. That's awesome. Um, very, very inspiring to have two young adults like that, um, doing what you guys are doing. Any, um, you know, I know it's early and this is probably, I mean, unless I'm wrong, this is, I would assume this is probably like the biggest and first real organization or company you guys have kind of built from the ground up. Um, any like things you guys have learned from the entrepreneurial side of things on how to, how to grow something, create, you, you've used the word business model, marketing, um, any insights and things you, you, you learned that you might want to share with other high schoolers who have similar ambitions? Yeah. So it's funny that you mentioned like business model, because we found that like the more personal you are, the less you make it about like the business and about like the credentials and uh-huh. not the credentials, but, like the benefits to you, then, um, the more people are engaged. We also found that people, um, people are really empathetic, especially when we mention how, um, the education loss like from COVID-19 is something that happens every day in these kids lives like Gary said people are automatically they're like how can I help like how can I um help you do your work and we found that like personally reaching out to people whether it be volunteers or organizations and just being um stating like why it's important to you and why they would make such a great contribution is a great way to like build your organization and build your team and also just like expand, expand um, your message and really like make sure that people know what you're about and just making sure that we reach as many kids as possible. We found that reaching out to people and just being very personal and very honest is like the best way um, to communicate. It's awesome. Well, Last thing I want to close with is I just want to ask you all, is there anything to our listeners? Is there anything that you want to let them know how, you know, they can get involved if they want to, if you want to direct them to your website or your Instagram, 
Um, I'm sure there are going to be some people at least that are definitely inspired by what you, what you say, but, but are actually going to want to follow through and see if they can help you out. So if you want to give them any direction, that would be awesome. Yeah. I mean, I can start and if I forget anything, uh, Liz can add on, but, uh, we have the Instagram as we've talked about, uh, at virtual literacy. Um, you'll know because it has a little bridge logo. Um, uh, and, uh, we have a website, virtualliteracy.com. Uh, once again, bridge logo, you know, we really, we have that motif, huh? Um, we also have the email bridge to literacy si at gmail.com. If you want to like email us, uh, let us know. Um, on the website, there's also, um, there's also a mailing list. So if, if there's anything new that you can help out, uh, things like that. Um, and yeah, if you're just interested in joining, I heavily suggest it's a good opportunity. Um, we are official 501c3, obviously, or else we wouldn't be on this podcast. Um, we have the uh, Presidential Service Award uh, certification. Yep. So and it's just a really interesting opportunity. Um, and yeah. Yeah, so Gary basically covered everything, but um, we have a link tree on our Instagram. We can actually link it in the podcast description. And yeah, we have positions open year-round. We're always looking for volunteers. We're always looking for people to help out. And if you know of any organizations that we could possibly expand to or organizations that would, um, that serve under underserved kids that we could work with, like definitely let us know. And we're also doing a fundraiser on GoFundMe to raise money for educational resources like tablets. Um, we're also building literacy kits to um, have books and toys basically to like to send to the kids to make their learning even more fun. And also just like, because it's fun for them and we want them to, um, to have like a special something to like help them put their literacy skills um, in real life. And we can also link that in the podcast description. You can find it on our Instagram, on our website, and please just donate or share whatever you can. Even a few dollars is enough to make a difference. And we would really appreciate it if you did. Well, thank you. That is awesome. I love that. You guys are going to buy some new goodies for the people that you guys are tutoring. That's awesome. Um, well, thank you so much, Gary and Liz. I know that everyone listening is, is we're all super lucky to have had you on the podcast and hear what you guys have to say. Um, looking forward to see where you guys end up going to college and what you guys do in the future and see how this grows. Um, and to everyone listening, if you have a 501 hustle you'd like to share, you know someone that would like to share, definitely hit us up. We'd love to have you on the podcast. Um, thank you all. We'll have you on the next episode in the next couple of weeks. Thank y'all.